0: Welcome to the Anything Glows Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany, a Virgo manifesting generator, yoga teacher, and illustrator currently living near Joshua Tree, California. I'm also the founder of Sage Glow Studio, where I help women develop intuition-led wellness through movement, meditation, breathwork, and cycle syncing. On this podcast, we'll be exploring how to live a life that feels nourished, embodied, expansive, and rooted in your feminine nature. But we'll also address the juicy big picture questions like what is the purpose of true wellness? Thanks for joining me on this journey. Now let's dive in. Last week, we began a new series, Yoga and Your Hormones. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. It's an intro into why this topic is so personally and deeply important to me and why we should take our hormones seriously. In today's episode, we'll be exploring what yoga and Ayurveda have to say about hormones, how they can help balance them, and four other practical ways you can start nourishing your hormones today. You might want to take notes. If you're not familiar with Ayurveda, let me give you a quick intro. This is a science of healing the body and mind. It originated in India with writings in the Vedas, which are ancient scriptures. How ancient? Well, historians debate this with ranges from 1700 to 1100 BC, and I've heard even as old as 2500 BC. The point is, Ayurveda has been around for a minute. It's also very closely related to yoga, which was also first written about in the Vedas. Together, yoga and Ayurveda are meant to provide a holistic, full-picture roadmap for healing and progressing our physical, mental, and spiritual natures. Both look at the person as a whole, knowing that everything from our thoughts to our posture, to our outlook on life, to our automatic body processes, and what we're eating are all connected. The goal is to create harmony so the body, mind, and spirit can function properly. In Ayurveda, it's believed that diseases are caused by energy imbalances. So in order to properly heal the physical body, it's important to heal the subtle body. And if you remember from last week, the subtle body includes our energy channels and our chakra, biological, lymphatic, and endocrine systems. One more level deeper, we find that the subtle body is made up of three energetic essences. Think of these like the ingredients or building blocks, and they're closely tied to our hormones. First is prana, which you've heard me and I'm sure countless other yoga teachers mention before. It's that vital life force, the energy of air, which is why we use breath to control it in pranayama. It's associated with adaptability, growth, and with the pineal and pituitary glands. Second is tejas, which is that inner radiance, the spark. It's the energy of fire, and it's associated with metabolism, digestion, the thyroid, and our pancreas. Third is ojas, which is vigor, the energy of water. It governs endurance, reproduction, and energy reserves, and it dominates the testes, ovaries, and adrenals. Okay, why should you care about this? You might be thinking, I didn't start this podcast for a crash course in Ayurveda. I need help with my crappy period. And I hear you. And there is a point. In fact, there was a hint in prana. Prana. See, this information should empower you. It means that you have more tools in your wellness toolbox. You don't have to just rely on Western medicine to treat individual symptoms. You can integrate yoga, Ayurveda, and other holistic wellness practices to get at the root cause of why you're having those crappy periods, why you have adrenal fatigue or endometriosis or whatever else. And let me be clear, I'm not dismissing Western medicine. I simply want you to have more options. Options that have been around and tested for thousands of years and options that you can implement yourself. To put this into practice, to support the subtle body, we traditionally work from the bottom up. If you're having issues with the ovaries or adrenals, you want to increase ojas by chilling the heck out. That's the official term. But for real, you want to build up your energy reserves with calming or bedtime meditations, restorative yoga, and yoga nidra. Yoga asanas like back bends, forward folds, and cobra pose help to massage and stimulate the uterus and ovaries. There's also a limb of yoga called pratyahara, or withdrawal from the senses. It seems a bit confusing, but really it's just practicing bringing our focus inward so that external sights, smells, and sounds don't become too overstimulating. This might look like finding your inner calm even if your surroundings are noisy. Doing yoga outside is a great way to practice this. Limiting media is also really helpful here. So yeah, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, But things like working with a TV on in the background or mindlessly scrolling social media is not great for your hormones. Next is building up Tejas. Since it governs metabolism and digestion, you can stimulate it with yogic twists. You can try this before going to sleep tonight. Lie down on your bed, bend your left leg, and drop it to the right while gazing left. Hold that for 10 breaths, and then do the same on the other side. If shoulder stand is in your practice, this is such a good asana for massaging and stimulating the thyroid, which is dominated by tejas. And finally, to build up prana, this is the hint that I mentioned, pranayama or breath work. We have the power to use our breath to increase prana and direct it to specific parts of our physical or subtle body. You can do this by taking deeper breaths that fill up not just your lungs, but your belly, and then use your abdominal muscles to gently push all the air out on your exhales. It takes some getting used to, but the more you're able to consciously breathe deeper, the more it will become second nature. And if it's in your practice, the asana of headstand will stimulate the pituitary gland, which is dominated by prana. Now that we have some tools for supporting the subtle body, that base layer and foundation, let's move up to the physical level and go through four practical practices here. And please keep in mind, this is all meant to be informational and get your wheels turning. Always talk to your personal healthcare provider so that you can figure out what will work best for your unique body. Okay, let's go. Practice number one, stabilize blood sugar. Blood sugar or glucose is the fuel from food that provides energy to all of our body's cells. The endocrine system depends on glucose levels being as stable as possible to work well. Dramatic blood sugar spikes and dips are actually perceived as stressors, which forces the adrenals to work in overtime to regain that balance that it wants. Our solution here is to stay hydrated, Eat a protein-rich breakfast, eat well for lunch, incorporate healthy fats, eat dinner a few hours before bedtime, and keep snacks on hand. You, your hormones, and everyone around you, honestly, will appreciate the decrease in hangry episodes. Practice number two, nurture your adrenals. Your adrenals produce hormones needed to regulate blood pressure, create estrogen and testosterone, and respond to stress through cortisol. Now, cortisol gets a bad rap, but our body does need it. The problem is when we're faced with too much stress, our adrenals react to all of it with the same high alert response, which can lead to adrenal fatigue. This manifests with symptoms like lack of vitality, insomnia, depression, brain fog, and ongoing tiredness. The solution here is to soothe stress with regular sleeping patterns, meditation, yoga, and other mindful and fun movement breaks throughout the day. Also, take a little inventory of your life to see what unnecessary stress you're allowing in. Are you repeatedly saying yes to things that only deplete you? Are you always running late and causing yourself to rush around in a panic? That's me, by the way. What about your media? Are you routinely watching high-stress shows? I know it sounds nitpicky, but these daily things add up. So just be mindful of where you can eliminate some sources of stress. Practice number three support pathways of elimination. And we're not just talking about the gut here. There's also the liver, large intestines, skin, and lymphatic system. When congested, these pathways can't eliminate things like endocrine disruptors or the normal buildup of excess hormones and hormone byproducts. The solution? Eat elimination-supporting foods with fiber like nuts and seeds and beans, selenium like oats, brazil nuts, and poultry, and glutathione, like broccoli, and avocado, and apples. Also, sweat it out with a good workout or a sauna, and practice some of my favorite rituals. Dry brushing to exfoliate the skin and self-lymphatic massage. I do one or both of these things every day, even if it's just a few minutes. And another tip here is to ditch the antiperspirant deodorants. We have a major lymph node in the armpit, so sweating there is actually really important for eliminating toxins and not trapping them in. And Ayurveda stresses the importance of Agni, or digestive fire, for proper elimination. Some tips from there include choosing room temperature or warm beverages and food over ice cold, especially first thing in the morning, and incorporating warming spices like cinnamon or ginger in your meals. And finally, practice number four, be mindful of endocrine disruptors. These are the chemicals that interfere with the production, release, transport, metabolism, or elimination of our body's natural hormones. They can mimic hormones, resulting in our real hormones either over or underproducing, and they can block the way natural hormones and their receptors are made or controlled. Names of some of these endocrine disruptors that you might see on a product label are fragrance or parfum to make it sound fancy, parabens, phthalates, or BPAs. There's lots of information out there if you want to dig into more of these details. The solution is using household and personal products that contain better for you ingredients. Okay, I really don't want to be an alarmist here and I cringe when I hear people refer to things as toxic versus clean. I think it creates unnecessary shame and stress, which is what we're trying to manage here. I don't want you to panic, and I definitely don't want you thinking you have to throw out everything that's in your home right now. Consider my rule of replacement. When you finish one product, instead of rebuying it, replace it with something that has less or no hormone disruptors. Let it be a fun hunt for your new favorite product and don't freak out along the way if not everything gets switched out. This is all about balance and not taking this quote clean living thing to an extreme and unhealthy level. Really embrace the 80-20 principle rule here. 80% of the products or ingredients you use are more chill and 20% or a little less chill. No big deal. I've been curating my list of favorite products for years now, so I have a lot of good recommendations. I'll put a link in the show notes for a blog post I made to get you started. At this point, your toolbox has officially been expanded. No matter what hormone-related struggles you're having, you should have some ideas on how to incorporate Ayurvedic, yoga, and other wellness practices to support those hormones on both a subtle body and a physical body level. And throw some Western medicine in there too, if needed. The point is, you have more autonomy over your body than you might have thought before listening to this episode. And next week, we'll get into even more tips with embracing your feminine nature and cycle syncing. Thanks for listening to the Anything Glows podcast. Let's keep the conversation going on social at the Anything Glows podcast and Sage Glow Studio. If today's episode served you, please share it with a friend and give the show a review. Your support, downloads, subscriptions, and feedback mean the world to me. Take care of your mind, body, and soul, and I will see you next time.